All right, everybody, welcome to the first episode of Narus. Uh, now, if you kind of wonder what's going on or if you need some fill-in, we've got episode zero. Uh, it should be in the playlist back there. You can search it on our YouTube channel. And hopefully soon, we'll be getting these things out on the podcast. It's just taking me a little bit longer to figure out all of those details. So I just want to jump in. We've had a, a couple of really good questions come through to us. Now, don't be upset if I don't get to your questions right away. I'm, I'm trying to group them together. And, and today's kind of a hodgepodge one. I decided to kind of start off with the, the mixed bag. But today we have two questions, which I think, you know, will give some pretty good and interesting conversation for us and also kind of help to set the tone. Maybe these are some of the off the topic kind of things you all are thinking of as well. Don't hesitate. And as you all know, uh, you can send them to pastor at, uh, here, let me pull this up real quick, pastor plus narus at panhandlecatholic.org. That's where you can send your questions into me, and then I'll put them together and we'll get an episode rolling. Uh, the next one that we're going into is, is going to talk a little bit about the Mass and even about maybe some more traditional uh aspects of, of our tradition, our, our history, um, the traditional Mass. There's been a couple of questions about that. So that's just kind of a preview for everybody to look forward to something um, that we've got. A, so that kind of helped me to get a couple of questions together to answer those. So if that's your question and you've been wondering where it is, it's upcoming. All right. So as I mentioned before, um, I'm not going to mention anybody's names. Uh, you're sending in your questions to me and, and they're completely anonymous for all I care. But I thank you all personally for these uh, because it really helps. And I think a lot of people will either have these questions and not been answered or they'll, they'll be really intrigued by them. I know that I was. Uh, there's a couple of questions here that were something that I really wasn't uh, expecting. So let's just jump right into the first one here. And it's a question about St. Joseph. Um, now, the question came to me, did St. Joseph know John the Baptist? <laughs> what a fascinating question. Um, because, after all, we know that they were concurrent in time. And so, but did St. Joseph actually know John the Baptist? Uh, we don't have evidence in the sense that we don't have direct evidence. We don't have testimony of this. The scriptures don't speak directly to any encounters with St. Joseph and John the Baptist. However, I think there are a lot of context clues in there that give us a pretty decent ability to make some conclusions here. So let's just kind of start off a little bit and give a little background about St. John, uh, St. Joseph so that we're kind of all on the same page. Now, there's a, an apocryphal date, meaning that this is kind of a, a non, you know, uh, backed up, verifiable, but a, a traditional date, something that people held for a long time and believed to be from the very beginning, though we don't have sources for it. So the apocryphal date for St. Joseph's birth date is in 90 BC. And then, of course, that his death would be around the around the year 1880. So we're looking at, you know, 108 years that St. Joseph was alive. Now, this gives us pretty decent credence. We at least know that there's no testimony towards St. Joseph around the time of Jesus's public ministry, and yet we still see him all the way up until the time that the child Jesus was lost in the temple. So there's some flexibility in there in trying to gauge where that is. Now, um, one of the great things, just kind of getting to cover St. Joseph a little bit, he is the patron saint of the dying, and it was assumed 
that uh, he was with Jesus and Mary um, at his death. And there are some very beautiful uh, paintings that artists have done, renditions of this, of Jesus with his dying um, foster father on earth. Now, St. Joseph is also known as the patron saint of the Universal Church of families, fathers, expectant mothers, travelers, immigrants, uh, house sellers, buyers, uh, the craftsmen, engineers, and working people in general. In fact, the church celebrates the feast of Joseph the worker. Now, just to kind of go back to that context, and, and as I was talking about clues that might give us some indication as to what happened. Was St. Joseph, did he have a chance to know John the Baptist? Well, we hear in Scripture, and we know it pretty well, uh, that Mary went to her her cousin Elizabeth, and when, you know, she was a ways off, when she was, you know, at a distance, but within earshot range, uh, Elizabeth cries out, you know, the, the baby left leapt in my womb. Uh, at the presence of, of my Savior who has come. And, you know, in Mary, that, that Mary had conceived by the Holy Spirit and conceived the child Jesus. So Mary had already made this trip. Now, it couldn't be too far of a trip in the sense that um, she was making this trip after the Annunciation had happened to her and that she was now going to uh, Elizabeth. So she was going to visit. Now, there's belief, and this is a little bit difficult because the scriptures don't give us the exact city or uh, the coordinates, the address, but it's believed that it's roughly 80 to 90 miles from where the Holy Family lived. So this is not too bad. I mean, it's, it's quite a ways, especially if you're going on donkey or if you're, you're walking the way. You know, it's going to be a substantial trip, but it's not impossible. So we could say, yeah, they were close enough that, sure, they may have had some family get-togethers after the birth of both of the children. Uh, Maybe they got together. Artists have certainly portrayed this over the many years. But, you know, one of the things that I think goes back to helping us understand is the full understanding of the Jewish people. Now, there were what were called in the Jewish tradition, the Hebrew tradition, the three pilgrimage festivals. Um, And this was... Uh, majorly the Passover, Pentecost, and the Festival of Tents, or the Festival of Booths. Now, this was really expected that all Jewish people who could make the trip would go to Jerusalem these three times a year and make these pilgrimages so that they could participate in these festivals. So we already kind of see that there would be occasion for them to overlap. You know, and certainly Zechariah um, being at the employ and the, and the dedication to the temple. Uh, he has a position there. He has this kind of um, authority there. Certainly, we would have seen that there could have been a lot of overlap. So, while there's nothing conclusive out there, did St. Joseph know John the Baptist? Well, I, I, I think we can say it's probable. I, I don't think we have to sit here and say, well, there's just no evidence for it. Uh, yeah, maybe there's no direct sources on it, but I think there's enough there that we could say it's very probable that they would have uh, engaged. I mean, after all, again, Mary, her very kind of first thing was she took off and she went to the hill country to go see her cousin Elizabeth. You know, she went out and made this trek. So Elizabeth was already someone very important in her life and important enough for Mary to make an 80 to 90 mile trip while she was just newly pregnant. So I think that, you know, there is some precedence there to say 
This was someone important in her life. This was someone with whom she wanted to share great joys. And I don't think that stopped just uh, when Mary went out and made this one visit. I I wouldn't suspect that that was the last time that there was any exchange. Now, uh, let's go to the second question here. Uh, because, you know, this was another one of those kind of great questions that I never really thought about per se, but I, I suppose it's out there. The question is, drinking holy water, is it okay to drink holy water or will it hurt you? So, you know, uh, there's, <laughs> when I did a little, you know, type this into Google search to see kind of some background information on, you know, the practice and what's been happening with it, because uh, I had my initial thoughts with it. But I saw all these articles about, you know, um, there was one from uh, one of the major kind of news outlets, and they were saying that drinking holy water is bad for you. And uh, they just kind of gave all these weird reasons for it. And and it just sounded very anti-Catholic as opposed to anything really kind of substantial about it. Now, I'm not really sure exactly where this practice of drinking holy water comes from, except that I did see that the Orthodox are known to do this, I'm not really sure what the context is or, or what kind of the imaginations are about that. But will it hurt you? Uh, as long as the water is not tainted, then I don't think it will hurt you unless you're the devil, unless you're possessed, and then, you know, spit it out, it's burning for you. But I would also suggest that maybe the only real occasion for us to do this is if it's an emergency. Um, For instance, if as a priest, you know, I have a bottle of holy water in my car and uh, I'm I'm driving down the road and somebody is there and and they are, you know, in grave dire need. Um, Paramedic maybe says, does anybody have some water? And okay, here, it's holy water, um, but you know, to go ahead and drink it. I would say in an emergency, um, if you're going to die from dehydration, sure, please drink the holy water and not die of dehydration. Uh, if you're in the desert, yeah, <laughs> and that's all the water that you have, yeah, yeah, if that's the last bit you have. But just in general, I, I really don't think we should. And let's say it's not particularly sinful to drink holy water, except if there's kind of two occasions. Two occasions it could become sinful. And, and let me explain a little bit. In, in the first situation, we have superstition. So if we have some kind of superstition that this holy water will have physical curative powers, kind of like New Age healing crystals or um, some of those kind of bizarre things, they they promise all this, but it's it's really a, a superstition that you're putting all of this belief in there. So we don't need to, if we, if we get over into that realm of superstition, then we have started into that path of sinfulness. But that's not what holy water does. You know, holy water isn't just like this, this imaginative cure-all. It doesn't, it doesn't remove stains any better than, than regular um, water does. It, it doesn't have, and it's not intended to be a, um, you know, a, a washing away of sin on the interior. Uh, we know, for instance, that venial sin is removed by our reception of the Eucharist. And we also know that mortal sin is removed by confession. But but holy water is not, that. it doesn't purport to do that. It doesn't try to do that. It's not meant to do that. What it is, is it's a grace. It's a blessing from God. 
And, and first and foremost, it recalls for us that great moment of our baptism. So this isn't magical. Holy water and grace isn't magical, but it's miraculous. And the difference there is that it's not just superstition that it, that it accomplishes what we desire, but it accomplishes the purpose for what God created it for, what God blessed it for. And that brings me to the second point, or the second occasion that could be become sinful for us. And that is that if we treat holy water like it's commonplace, um, and, and by doing this, we have really denied its holiness. You know, holy water is is holy by the blessing of God. And by being holy, it is meant, you know, the word holy is meant as set aside, uh, separated, put off to the side for a certain purpose, dedicated. And, and this, in the sense of when we speak about sacred and holy, um, this being set aside for a particular purpose, is set aside by God and for God. And so, you know, the holy saints, the holy martyrs, the holy angels, these are the ones that are set aside per, with purpose for God. The holy people of Israel, we hear that terminology, set aside, distinct, uh, with a purpose. And so when we have this, you know, we need to recall that, that what, what is the purpose of holy water. And, and since it has been set aside, in which it is to grace us, especially during recalling our baptism, that's why when we come into the church, we dip our fingers into the holy water font, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's not because we're superstitious. It's not because we just need to cool off. Um, you know, sometimes I've seen this. I've seen people, you know, get some and they wet the back of their neck and they're like, oh my goodness, it's so hot outside. Uh, that's, that's not what it's for. It's not for refreshing the body. It's really not even meant really per se for the body, but for the soul. And, it, and it's to recall for us that great gift of baptism because we often forget. And so to, to recall that and to remember that. Um, and the holy water has great power because it symbolizes that victory over sin and death. And so we recall for ourselves this, this gift, this great joy of, the, of baptism. And so that's kind of its purpose. And it blesses us when we do put the holy water on and we recall devoutly our baptism. And superstitiously would be just to, just to be like, oh, okay, run, run in the church. No, it's a meditation. It draws us back in, and it's a sacramental because it's a meditation that also carries with it a blessing. Um, so when we, if we were to use water in a commonplace sense, or if we were to kind of just uh, throw it around, um, if we were just to drink it as as normal or as as if we are drinking other types of liquids. Uh, then we have really denied its sacredness, its set-aside purpose. We have treated it wrongly. Um, and this, this is what uh, the, um, Jesus was talking about with King David. And, and he was like, did you not read how King David, as he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, did you not read how King David went into the temple and ate of the sacred bread? And they're like, yeah. And he said, because they had a need of it. They had, they had a need of it. This goes back to kind of what I said as a condition. You know, if you need it, <laughs> drink it. But but that's not really its purpose. And, and so especially then we have to be careful of this, treating it like it's common or treating it like a superstition. Now, um, I also would say, my last kind of note on this, uh, be careful of 
snake oil salesman or snake water salesman. Uh, out there you can find all sorts of things. Oh, this is water from the Holy Land, or oh, this is water from Lourdes, or oh, this is water from this place or this place or this place. And, and so drinking this water is somehow more beneficial. Or because this water comes from this place, it's more blessed. Well, no, that's not really particularly true. That's not what the church teaches us. Um, the blessing comes from God and not from the place or not from the substance. So, anyways, um, I've kind of rambled on a little bit about that. But that's kind of the context of it. We shouldn't be really kind of focused in on these superstitious acts. Now, again, I'm not calling the Orthodox superstitious. I, I really don't understand their context for for drinking it or imbibing it. Um, but, again, as the church is teaching us about what is holy water... It really is then, in my opinion, um, qualified opinion, uh, not dignified then for us to treat as normal water or as a superstition. So, hope that has kind of, you know, given you also a little bit of insight in all of this and uh, maybe sparked your interest into other questions, other things that we can talk about. So, uh, again, I just kind of want to wrap this episode up, this first episode. Um, we had two great questions to begin with. I look for, forward to a whole bunch more. So email your questions to pastor plus sign, that little plus, narus, N, uh, G-N-A-R-U-S, narus, at panhandlecatholic.org. And by doing this, it helps me to focus, you know, to add that little extra on. That helps me to focus the questions and find them very easily. So anyways, uh, again, thank you all for this first episode. I look forward to so much more. Let us be knowing and not unknowing.